The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. The devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. So during supper, fully aware that the Father had put everything into his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, he rose from supper and took off his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Master, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. Simon Peter said to him, Master, then not only my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus said to him, Whoever has bathed has no need except to have his feet washed, for he is clean already. So you are clean, but not all. For he knew who would betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and put his garment back on and reclined at table again, he said to them, Do you realize what I have done for you? You call me teacher and master, and rightly so, for indeed I am. If I, therefore, the master and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The Gospel of the Lord. March 23rd, 2022. The day I found out I'd be the pastor of St. Bernard's in Wabash. I didn't know there was a train next to the church. (laughs) But it's the day I was told I would become the pastor of St. Bernard's. And I love that train. I really do. It's, you you know, after the first couple of weeks, you just kind of lose sight of it. You just lose sound of it, really. That day, the Lord planned for this moment, on that day. But the Lord also planned for this moment even before that. He planned for this moment on April 3rd, 2010, when I was baptized. Just earlier this week, 13 years. Those flowers are from my mom, by the way. I know. (laughs) She's great. But it is even before that, the Lord had this moment in mind. And we could say it was December 13, 1980. The day my parents got married. We could say it was even before that, the Lord had this moment in mind. 
It's actually during the Last Supper. The Lord thought of this moment. That's how intrinsically united we are in the concept and the cosmos of salvation. That is, at the very moment Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and instituted the priesthood and instituted the Eucharist, that he thought of this moment for St. Bernard's in 2023. That gospel we hear is connected to the first reading when it talks about the Passover celebration. That's what Jesus is intending to do. He's intending to bring to light the Passover that the early Israelites would have celebrated. It's the passing over of the angel of death over the homes of, of, the, of the Israelites, and then their escape into Egypt. In the same way, the angel of death passes over us now because Jesus, who is the unblemished lamb, the, the perfect sacrifice, takes up the beginning of his passion so that we can have life. What Jesus does tonight drastically changes the entire scope of civilization. He gives us the gift of the priesthood and the gift of his body to be received forever, at least until the second coming. And it's odd for a priest to talk about the priesthood. It's like, let me, let me boast about myself. No, it's not myself that we boast about. It's about what we are that we boast about. And if I really had to boast about the priesthood, I really have to honor the priests who have shown up in my life. Father John, the very first priest I ever encountered, was the chaplain at the University of St. Francis. And my very first religion class I ever took was with him on the New Testament. I didn't know anything, and I didn't do very well in the class. <laughs> but even so, I stand before you today. <laughs> Father Jim, the priest who baptized me, confirmed me, gave me my first communion, also the priest who offered me a job doing something I had no business doing as a baby Catholic which was being a youth director. However, that opportunity led me to discern the reality of what it means to be priest. What it means to be Jesus for someone. Father Tony, first priest who taught me how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. This is a prayer that we promise to pray. Father Craig, who was actually not a priest when I first met him, but became one of my best friends. All of these men, and there's so many more, have allowed me to be exactly where I am. And there's so many priests before me that have allowed you to be where you are. Think of just the past priests here at St. Bernard's, Father Levi, Father Sextus, Father Tim, and the priests before them. How many lives were impacted, positively, negatively, whatever, but nonetheless impacted? The beauty of our faith as Catholics is that 
we have these things called sacraments where we are able to encounter the living God. It's not just a symbol, it's not just a gesture, it's not just an idea, but it is the actual reality of God manifesting himself to us in allowing us to encounter him. Think of the priest who baptized you. Maybe you don't even know who that was. Maybe you just call him Father because you can't remember his name. But regardless, that's what he was meant to be, was a father. Or the priest who confirmed you, right? Sealed you, or maybe it was probably a bishop that did it, but sealed you with the Holy Spirit so that you could live your life as a Christian. Think of the priest who said the mass where you received your first communion. The words of institution, consecration, came out of his mouth by the grace of the Holy Spirit where we consumed the actual body and blood of Jesus. Not, again, a symbol, an idea, a gesture. The literal body and blood of God. Think of the first priest who heard your confession, absolved you of your sins, or the priest who said, wow, good job, I'm proud of you. Priest who witnessed marriages, priest who served over funerals, priest who anointed the sick. I was watching a little video beforehand, and uh, this sister was talking about the priesthood. She said, imagine a, a cathedral full of 2,000 people. There's only one person there that can call down the Holy Spirit to change the Eucharist. Think about the little itty-bitty nowhere town where that priest is also the administrator of three other parishes, the only priest in 20 square miles. I like being the only priest in 20 square miles. It's exciting because it's an opportunity. And so for all the beauty that maybe we can think of the priesthood, we also recognize that there are downfalls, there are pitfalls, because the priest, at the end of the day, comes from humanity. The priest is still a human. The apostles, having their feet washed, were still human. Simon Peter, the perfect example. You're going to wash my feet, Lord? No, 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 no. Simon, if only you knew what I had in store for you. And so it's important that we pray for priests. It's important that we pray for, for men to discern the vocation of priesthood. It's important to pray for the priests that have brought us joy and have entered in our lives in such beautiful ways. It's also important to pray for the priests who take us off, the priests who have disappointed, the priests who have failed. Because there's a weight that they carry that can never be understood. doesn't ex ever excuse their faults, but their weight of failure. Woe to a priest who fails. And at the same time, thanks be to God for the gift of the priesthood. Thanks be to God that in our failure, we can go and say, Father, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And we will hear the words, I absolve you from your sins. There's no sweeter words. When we are having a bad day, when, when life's got us down, when our marriage is in disarray, when life is just crumbling around us, 
people, for some reason, they go to the priest for faith and hope. And that's not something we take lightly. Father Jim, that priest I mentioned who baptized me, we, we were on a mission trip that second year of being a, a youth director. And we were in West Virginia, in Pelendon County, and it, our mission trip was over a spring break, which happened to also be Holy Week. Convenient. Holy Week this week and spring break. Interessante. We celebrated Palm Sunday down there. It was awesome. We also had the opportunity to celebrate the Last Supper. And we're up in this dingy room with 60 teenagers. They smelled. <laughs> They'd been working all week. We had, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. And Father Jim is like, well, we're going to do the foot washing. But we're not just going to wash 12. We're going to wash everyone's feet. I'm like, let's do it. And so, sure enough, he gets down. And just person after person just washes their feet. Bam, 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 bam. And I'm right behind him because I'm drying the feet. I'm just helping. And I'm just watching him with his eyes just look at each individual and, the, and his heart just pour into them. And we get done. Uh, and he says, Jay, yeah, Father, what? Someone needs to wash my feet. Oh, who's going to do that? <laughs> you. I don't think it's a good idea. And that was probably the moment that sealed my needing to go to the seminary. It was a, it was a touching moment. And I've never, in the Holy Thursday Mass, been able to wash the feet. It's always the pastor's job. I got to do it once for a retreat for Christ Renews, which was awesome. But never in the Holy Thursday Mass. And I think about the people whose feet are going to be washed tonight. I specifically picked people. So if you weren't picked, don't feel insulted. But I thought about who they are. I had to wash the people, feed the people who are going to be baptized on Saturday. Like that's, that's a no-brainer. But I also wanted to wash the feet of people who have just poured into this parish. Young, old, new, returning. Regardless if you're up here or not this year, if I had the opportunity, if I had the time, I'd wash all your feet. And that's just not me blowing smoke, even though there's a bunch of incense floating around. That's not just trying to, like, no, like, I would. Like, I would sit up here the rest of the night just washing your feet. Because it's such a humbling experience. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. It's awesome. It's also tonight when we remember and need to lean into the reality of what Jesus is going to do. So he washes the feet, he leads by example, and he's being a witness for us. 
But he's also saying, I have to go and do one more thing. The Triduum is, is probably the most beautiful liturgy because it's one liturgy over three days. Whether we remember this or not, there is no final blessing when we leave. We just leave. We follow the Lord. We process with him to a place of repose. Just like the Garden of Gethsemane, can you stay awake with me one hour? Now, we have to stay awake until 11. I'm hoping that we can do this. I believe we can. But it's after this moment, that's like the last time we see him until the resurrection. I mean, we, we walk them in the Passion tomorrow, but that's a whole, that's a whole different ballgame altogether. When we leave, we leave in this beauty of like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to follow where you're going. I may not be able to go there right now, but I'm going to do my best to stay with you. I'm going to do my best to remain with you. I'm going to do my best to just be with you. That's something that's important about the Truum. There's lots of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. My brain hasn't slowed down since Monday, thinking about tonight and tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday. Like, oh crap, there's so much to do. But for the rest of us, we don't have to do a lot. We just have to be here. We have to, we have to show up, and we have to say, Lord, I'm going to just be with you. Because when Good Friday starts, it starts in silence. It starts with the priest coming forward and laying prostrate. Because he has to lay down his life the way Jesus laid down his life. We venerate the crucifix, the very instrument of death and destruction we venerate because it has power and glory. But even after all that's done, we still leave in silence. Because by that point, Jesus has died for you and for me. And when we come into the vigil, and we're in that silence and darkness, we start to see the glimmer of light, the hope of what's to come. All of this, and the Lord is intimately present to us. He is intimately present to you and me. When we come forward tonight for the Eucharist, I pray that we think about the first time we ever received the Eucharist. I, think, I pray that we, we have the same longing and desire for those who are anticipating their first communion or those who are anticipating their first communion in a long time. Often, too often, we can take things for granted in our faith. We can show up, we can go through the motions, and we can just become zombie-like. We're just doing the stuff because it's what we've always done. But this will never happen again. I'll never have the chance to be a pastor for the first time, washing feet for the first time, 
I'll never be able to go back to my first Mass. We'll never be able to go back to our first confessions, which is probably good because they're probably all really bad. Now we're much better because we've had much practice. Wink. Hopefully. We can never go back, and so this moment is unlike any moment we'll ever have again. And every Mass is like that. It shouldn't only be these large celebrations where we consider this should be daily for us. It is truly an honor to be your priest and to bring Jesus to you. But it's an even greater honor to let him work through each of us. Because at the end of the day, by our baptism, we take on that priestly, prophetic, and kingly identity, and we get to be the missionaries out in the world, sharing Jesus with others. We can't do that if we're not filled by him. And it's not going to work so well if sin clouds out our, our soul. And so, just as a, as a final plea, always strive to receive the Eucharist in as pure a state of grace as possible. If confession is a scary and hard thing, Keep asking the Lord for the grace and the courage to face that fear. If the realities of the Catholic faith are challenging, ask the Lord for the grace to lean into whatever is difficult. Because brothers and sisters, we, we have it all. We're so blessed. And it's not something we should be afraid of or ashamed to say. I love our brothers and sisters in Christ from other denominations. I love, I love them all. But we have everything before us. And it's okay to acknowledge that. It's actually really important that we acknowledge that so that people can come to know, what do you have that's different from me? I have him. I have his very body and blood. I have the ability to talk to him and be forgiven for my failures. I have the ability to encounter him daily in the celebration of the Mass. I have the ability to receive his anointing when I'm sick and ill. I have the ability to be filled by the Holy Spirit. I have the ability to be forever claimed as a son or daughter of God. We have it all.